You don't get it, son. This isn't a mud hole. It's an operating table. And I'm the surgeon. sessions in broad daylight. I know why you're afraid to go out at night. The Batman. See, Batman had shown Gotham the true colors of I only came here out of respect for my parents, who knew your family. Your father was more than just a friend to my family. That was a long time ago. Yes. A long time. Thomas Wayne believed in my father. He believed a man could bring order to a world of chaos. And you, Bruce? I believe in Gotham City. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Eternal Night Podcast, a Batman podcast dedicated to celebrating everything Batman, Dark Knight, Detective, and his world and family in Gotham City or otherwise. As you all know, I am one of your hosts, Philip Barker, and you can follow me on social media. Just search for Unfiltered. You can also follow my good friend and pal and co-host Craig Blaylock here. You can follow him on Instagram just at Craig Omega. Craig, how you doing, buddy? Doing good. Preparing for the storm. I know, right? We got we got storms rolling in at both ends of where we live. So, uh, and you know that's kind of par for the course given given how how spooky season is upon us now, and we're we're kind of going through um, you know Halloween's just about a week away now. And uh, with that said, we thought it'd be good to do some Halloween-esque Batman goodness. And in that way, you know, it just kind of came to me just a couple days ago. I was like, you know, it'd be fun to kind of talk about the new movie, or movies, I should say, that came out this past year in the form of The Long Halloween. 
the adaption from the 1990 I think it 96 is when it came when the book came out but I could be wrong about I think that's I don't remember when but it's Tim Sale and Jeff Loeb they did a story called Batman the Long Halloween and WB Animation has now adapted it into two parts uh, the first part came out physically and digitally in early June with the second part followed in July and now both parts are on HBO Max for everyone's viewing pleasure if you have HBO Max. So with that said, Craig and I are going to do commentaries to uh, parts one and two. And with each part, we'll also be doing our reviews of uh, Batman the Animated Series. This time we'll be doing episodes uh, part one and two of Feet of Clay, each part with each part of the movie. So, um, for example, the Long Halloween part one will be followed by a review of Feet of Clay part one. And then part two will also be part two of Feet of Clay. Sound good? Everyone get the idea? I think they're all on board. I think everyone's on board. At least that's the hope if you're listening to the show. Much appreciated, but if this is your first time, thanks for tuning in. You can listen to the show on Podbean. You can listen to the show on Apple Podcasts. You can listen to it on iHeartRadio. You can listen to it on pretty much any podcast any podcast catcher you find. Well, without further ado, Craig, I think we should get kind of get started and uh, you know maybe share our thoughts a little bit on the long Halloween story because you just read it for the first time not too long ago, right? Yes, I did. Yeah, really enjoyed it. Um, the art style, I liked that it really did feel for the first time in a long time, like a, a true detective story for Batman. Mm. I liked that there was a lot of mystery. There was a lot of, you know, him trying to figure things out. And I think at one point, even in the story, Bruce himself even says, I think there's a point where he's sitting in the Batcave and he tells Alfred, he's like, I didn't plan on being a detective. And I, I, mm-hmm. that line stuck out to me. I, I really like that. Yeah, because this really is kind of a, a, a coming of detective story for Batman as a character in, in, in a lot of ways. And I, I think even the animated movie kind of touches on that a little bit. And I remember reading that book for the first time. And, you know, Tim Sale has a very distinct art style. And, I, and, and I'd always wondered if the animation WB would ever attempt to tackle the story if they would keep true to it or if they would just kind of do something else entirely and I feel like doing something else entirely but still serving the overall story was a great idea absolutely but you know even even the original book like I I understand how seminal it is but it's always never one that I, I always immediately think of when I think of like top five or ten Batman graphic novels I don't know why but um I do like that it does kind of uh, modernize the the origin of Two Face just just a little bit, and um, it's exciting to see just this this story get adapted and be so faithfully done in the way that it was in the two parter. So I, I guess without further ado, we can we could probably just get started. Uh, Craig and I are watching it on HBO Max. We have it queued up to the thirty two second mark after the HBO Max ad because there's usually a thirty second ad before. Any kind of viewing, anything you view on HBO Max, nine times out of ten, there's usually some kind of HBO Max teaser ad, whatever, beforehand. So uh, Craig and I are at the 32-second mark, and we are watching part one, Batman the Long Halloween. It is hour and 25 minutes, 58 seconds. And uh, I will say three, two, one, and then play, and Craig and I will both press play at the same time, and then we'll we'll just be going off right from there. So, uh, Craig, any last words before we get started? Now, nah, let's do it. All right. You all know the drill. So here we go. We're going to do three, two, one, play. 
I also have the music turned down for various obvious reasons, but it's also partially because if, if I had it turned up, it would capture the desktop audio, and we can't have that because then we yeah. couldn't have our conversation. <laughs> See, immediately, like, right off the bat, you really got to appreciate the art style they did for this uh, animated movie. I like that it's it, it feels like you're watching a comic book. Yeah, you know, they used this style for the last two movies too so they did it for justice league or sorry just society world war ii and then they also did it for superman man of tomorrow but i do feel like here it does serve a batman story better because the darker lines can kind of stand out in a more brighter setting whereas here they really do service a lot of the darker tones and a lot of the the images here that that would take place in shadows or even just like this you know, you've got Carmine Falcone with his signature scars from Catwoman. You've also got his family, and he's looking out from the city. You know, to your point, yeah, it does look like a, a lot like a comic book come to life in animated form. Especially with the buildings in the backgrounds. They do look really detailed this time around. Oh, that's right. This does open up with... Bruce and Carmine Falcone having a conversation. Bruce Wayne's voiced by Jensen Eccles of all of all people in, the, in this story too, and that's also um, interesting because he voiced uh, the last time he was voicing an animated character was Jason Todd in Under the Red Hood, and that was just over you know ten years ago. Yeah, <laughs> got the promotion from Red Hood to Batman himself. I gotta say he does a pretty solid job voicing Batman and Bruce Wayne. Yeah, I was I was pretty I was curious to see how he was going to sound as Batman, but uh, he did a pretty good job. I really like these this intro. With yeah, these, like kind of these animated excerpts from the graphic novel kind of integrated in. Right. Especially since it's kind of sprinkled throughout just the beginning of the movie where we just witnessed the death of some of the Maronis, probably via, yep. you know, order of Carmine Falcone. I like how it, you know, you get the cast directly correlated with their comic book parallels. Like they show Josh Duhamel with uh, two, you know, Harvey Two Face from the graphic novel. They show they showcased uh, Naya Rivera, rest in peace. Her name next to the Catwoman. Like, like the, the the way they used pieces of the art from the original book and sprinkled it throughout the credits of this, I think, was actually a nice touch too. Yeah. And that I did not know that that Naya Rivera passed away. What I'm assuming that was recent. She passed away last year, unfortunately. Okay. And uh, this was her last role. Dang. First appearance of Batman. Yeah. Messes up some goons. I feel like there's a bit of a timelessness sense to this, in the same way that there was to the animated series. Yeah, I agree. Even the way he's drawn, the way Batman is drawn in this, it, it does give you a little bit of a vibe of Batman the Animated Series. Just a bit. And you know, even some of these names, like Butch Lukic, he was a prominent supervisor and EP on uh, the Animated Series, if I'm not mistaken. A lot of the Justice League stuff, too. Just always big name at WB Animation, 1939. Like the little detailed Easter eggs you could see in this. It's just very yeah. interesting. Michael Uslan, his name's all over anything 
Batman animated live action otherwise. And Tim Sheridan, who did write the screenplay to this story. Directed by Chris Palmer. I like how that pumpkin had the uh, the scratches across its face, too. I like how it kind of circled into a, a bat symbol. A bat a, symbol, like, yeah. A, like a lot like the 89 film did. That was pretty ingenious when I saw that the first time. Now, this is actually what kicks off the book, is this murder right here. Yep. You know, you get the door cracking open. That first little glimpse of the holiday killer. And the touch of blood coming into the tub. Mm-hmm. Halloween. Leave the pumpkin. The Long Halloween Part 1. So the novel that I have actually has that same font on the front of it. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Wayne Manor decorated with some pumpkins. You know, that was Alfred's doing. Bruce had no part of that. Oh, more than likely. <laughs> and Alfred's hoping some kids would stop by. <laughs> I wouldn't mind getting some chocolate from Wayne Manor. Yeah, you got to imagine. If there's one guy you can go to for full-size candy bars, it's Bruce Wayne. Right. And he wants coffee on Halloween. <laughs> because, of course. Miss Kyle was telephoned. Hmm. So Bruce Wayne and Selena Kyle obviously know who each other are. Yep. Just from that standpoint, not as Catwoman and Batman, but... They're aware of each other. I like how he's reflecting on Gotham City as a whole. You get the feeling that this is like a Batman who's like at the tail end of his early days and maybe just also trying to formulate what kind of vigilante he really wants to be following this in particular. Yeah, like he's he's been in it for a few years. He's kind of gotten an understanding of who he wants to be but there's still more that he wants to understand and more that he feels like he needs to do for the city mm -hmm. I do like the, the detail putting the little bit of black underneath his eyes just to kind of show that this is a Bruce who is a little more worn out you know from everything that he's been through at this point I like how Alfred does to him what he does to Jim Gordon all the time <laughs> I know just disappears on him yeah <laughs> And I feel like that's a that's a nice way of Batman doing it to Gordon because that's where he gets it from. Now, this I don't recall. I don't remember this in the graphic novel. I don't think we saw Gordon's kids. No. I think we just saw his interactions with his wife every now and then. Yes. But I think that's a good little addition to kind of just show more of what Gordon is going through and why you know, with everything that he has on his plate, what he has at stake. I also think it's just nice, you know, if, if you understand who these characters could become, then it's definitely a nice, a nice little addition in that regard too. Cause you know, obviously Barbara 
becomes Batgirl, and mm-hmm. you know his son is. Well, his son actually takes a much darker path. I don't. I don't know if you're familiar with James Gordon Jr. at all. Honestly, I did not even know that he had a son. I was always only familiar with Barbara. It's more of a recent addition, but in some cases, uh, he does in fact have a son, and his son does take a much darker sociopathic turn. Mm. And it's very, uh, it's very detailed in certain runs. I think, especially uh, Batman Black Mirror. So, but you're right. Like, I think it is. It does also showcase the kind of things that Jim Gordon now has to do because I think he's just now become commissioner. Yeah. So with that comes a lot of, you know, sacrificing a lot of family time and, and the you know service duty. I think I told you this after I watched this uh, for the first time. Shout out to Josh DeHamel for his portrayal of Harvey Dent, Two Face. Yeah, the first film, because that doesn't quite happen until the second film, I think. But the first film really does a great job of showcasing some of that descent into that madness. But Josh Demel performs really, really well here. Even you know he's a great actor in his own right, but I feel like you know his voice here, the way he later on, you know, when we get to part two, when he distinguishes between Harvey and Two Face, is actually really well done. But even here, you know, he really is a great job at at just being that that friendly Harvey Dent. Well, I like it because he's he's the friendly Harvey Dent, but you can definitely tell there's a sinister side to him. There's a couple of moments in this part where he gets a little irritated, he gets angry, and you really kind of hear that creeping two-faced voice in the mm-hmm. background. Very I, true. I really like how he nailed that. And again, I think you're right. These These darker lines around the edges of the characters... It definitely works best with a Batman film, I think. I'm curious to see if they'll continue to do this with more Batman films or if they'll just, you know, kind of mine from the other corners of the DC universe. But, you know, time will tell. Yeah. Even right there, you know, he just, you know, he goes from a smile to a, you know, kind of a grin. Yep. Oh, and because he saw the The light in the sky. Right. Because I think they even, from what we've seen in the trailers, it looks like they are keeping that those dark line outlines uh, for the upcoming Injustice movie. I've actually, I already got that. I own it, and I've seen it. Oh, that's right. It's out. I yeah. completely forgot about it. Yeah, it's not bad. But the I feel like the lines actually work better here than they do in that movie, but vastly different reasons. Oh, I know what I have to pick up here soon. Does he always keep you waiting like this? <laughs> Gordon's like, believe me, I've been through this. Appreciate the fact that Gordon smokes a uh, corncob pipe, uh, corncob pipe, not a not a cigarette. Very classy. Dent. Now, this right here is almost, you know, you can see where Christopher Nolan got his his, his uh, inspiration, that's, that's the right word, for The Dark Knight with the three of them on the rooftop discussing yeah. a case or discussing a, you know, potential suspect, what have you, just discussing something regarding, you know, the underbelly of Gotham. Yep. 
and you've and I like the way that they're positioned, honestly, because you got Batman, who's you know the obvious, the vigilante who believes in just his brand of justice. You got Harvey Dent on the right side, which is supposed to represent more of the the law and order type, and then you got Jim Gordon standing in the middle of them. Right, because he represents you know peacekeeping, police, the, the yep. that, and he's you know that you have to serve the people, but at the same time you have to serve the law. And it's like, you know, you have Batman, a vigilante for the people, and then you've got Harvey Dent, a man of the law. And then you've got Jim Gordon, who has to serve both. And it's like, all three of them are there for equal reasons, but they all have are driven by different motives in certain yeah. regards. And man, the animation on Batman just looks absolutely crisp. That's just one of the best animated designs I've seen for the character in a really long time. Yeah. Because I know that was kind of an issue for, for some people with the last animated universe was they kind of kept, you know, moving Batman around from costume to costume and, and like, they didn't, they didn't really kind of stick into one in particular. Like, even by the end of it, he was kind of in a Hush-esque outfit. Yeah. But again, even, you know, Tim Sale has a pretty distinct style of art and the way he draws Batman is very, you know, again, distinct. But here... You know, I, I wouldn't want to call it traditional, but it's very, very much in that same kind of vein. It and Man, even Catwoman looks like she was almost inspired by the animated series. Yeah, she doesn't have the purple outfit like she did in the graphic novel. Right. I <laughs> like even Harvey Dent ditches him. And I noticed that whole scene when they were up on the roof, Batman was completely enveloped in his cape. I mean, just completely shutting himself off. And I always, there's something interesting when he stands like that, when the cape is just overtaking him. Mm -hmm. It gives him kind of a, it just gives me like, almost like Dracula vibes, just this otherworldly presence. Yeah, you know, it's always very ethereal when Batman is kind of engrossed in his cape, no matter who, you know, there's a lot of really great artists who play with that. Norm Brayfogle did. Um, Kelly Jones did. Um, even Neil Adams, to some extent or another, there, there was a lot of, a lot of artists who would, who would like draw Batman with this cape being enveloped around him. And they do it really well. So I like that this shines a light on some of the crime in Gotham, especially with the regard to Carmine Falcone. Yeah. Which I feel like elements like that often get overlooked in a lot of, you know, Batman stories or even conversations. Because, you know, this is really where Batman does get his, his footing and start is with, you know, these high-level crime bosses feeding out their younger not younger but feeding out their you know their subordinates feeding out the people who work underneath them and basically turning gotham into the sty that it is but keeping it that way so they could stay rich yeah he didn't just immediately jump into the role of batman you know didn't start immediately fighting the likes of you know mr freeze and all those characters he started with fighting organized crime Right, but it's also interesting to note that there's a little bit of gray there with Carmine Falcone as the story will develop and you find out yeah. like how and why his dirty deeds do occasionally, if in small spurts, do lead to 
you know, some semblance of, you know, decency because it was his father and Thomas's father, as we'll come to find out, that, you know, built some of the hospitals in Gotham City. And he just had a dude thrown down <laughs> a stairwell, and that was spooky because he didn't call him Godfather, Carmine Falcone. Yeah. Got to give him the respect. Didn't even change his expression or anything, just sat there. <laughs> Logic puzzles. You gotta imagine if that's the way he talks about his son. You gotta think he, that's that's probably one of the few things that to Carmine Falcone is probably one of the. You know, I would say maybe regret that his son isn't you know more anything like him. Yeah. Just like you said, there's always something about Batman in the rain. <laughs> yep. And now he's chasing Catwoman in the rain, too. And it's funny, because I, I literally just finished, before we started recording, I just finished reading Batman Catwoman number eight, and they are, they are kind of like, they're having a bit of an argument in that book, and they're chasing each other off of rooftops, back <laughs> and forth. Kind of like this. I really love that shot of him jumping off the building, though. Yeah. That was great. I do like how it kind of took a little bit of the wind out of him. <laughs> Why are you running? Fun. <laughs> I like that you could use a little fun. And he's just like, ah. She ain't wrong. Right back to it. And I really just dig this this take on Catwoman. I mean, yeah, it's not quite the the purple suit from Long Halloween, and I'm okay with that. But the fact that she's got you know some kind of claws within her her gloves, I thought that's a nice touch. Yeah. And again, these darker lines, the backdrops, they really just serve the story well. Nah. Kudos to her for making that train jump. Right. Oh, Batman. <laughs> Not quite as adept. She did it gracefully. He just did it <laughs> just because. Yeah. The scenes where she jumps, the, you can really feel, like, the kind of weight that comes to those jumps, too. Mm-hmm. Okay, Batman, you're going to pull her in close like that right off the bat? <laughs> That's Batcat. What do you expect? Yeah. <laughs> it's always that way. I mean, look at, look at the most recent trailer for the Batman. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, how many times did we see them together in that? I mean, you know, to be fair, that, that movie is also pulling from the same source material that this ad is adapted from so uh -huh. 
It's authentic. One can only imagine how much money that actually is. Well, I mean, that's a pretty big stack of money. I don't know. <laughs> probably a couple million. And I think this is probably where Nolan got his inspiration for the Joker scene in The Dark Knight. More than likely. There's always that look whenever Batman looks at her in these in these two movies, he's just got this look of like not like fear, but just like like that. <laughs> like I don't know what to do here. Hmm. Oh, that's right. Dent was watching him the entire time. Yep. He's with me. <laughs> I like how he threatens her with herself or Arkham, too. That's kind of messed up. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That is quite a bit of money. <laughs> You know, if we were any other men, we're not. I love that line. I mean, yeah, I think even just one strap, just one strap probably gets you in a good position, at least for a little bit. People like you and me? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Men like them? Not so much. And Batman looks at it and goes, ah, yeah, that's a week's allowance for me. Probably. You'd have to guess. Maybe Batman outlined some of the cave with some of the money that he's had stashed away. <laughs> yeah. I like how she just has a match on her. I know, right? Why are you trying to hurt Falcone? Well, she's got some pretty personal reasons, I would imagine. Sweetie. Light it up. <laughs> that animation was really well done. Mm-hmm. A billion five? <laughs> there's no way she counted all that. <laughs> if that really was a billion five, there's absolutely no way she sat there and counted that. Can't really be a lawyer and a criminal. Eh, kind of one and the same. Huh. depending on who you talk to you're not yeah. wrong so it's coin flip ironic that Batman is the one that suggested to him I feel like that should be if they were to tread down this, this role again if they were to ever do Two-Face in live action I feel like that would be the way to do it to distinctly so different too. to do it differently from you know Batman Forever and The Dark Knight like, have Batman be the one to kind of establish, like, why don't you decide it with a coin flip? Like, ha that be a, a bit of a more personal touch to it. Yeah, I agree. I think that would make it much better. Because I mean, Gotta have here. those bats flying around the cave. 
You know, when we get to Feet of Clay, I noticed that too, that they had some pretty well-drawn bats there in that episode as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Alfred left him some Halloween cookies. Of course he left him some Halloween cookies. What else would he leave? <laughs> what, why not? <laughs> He dropped his coin. Oh, gee, I wonder who that is. Hmm. Gilda? Wine and cigarettes. There's always something a bit off about her, too. Just a bit, huh? Yeah. You can kind of tell something might not be, might not be right. <laughs> I like how he's trying to convince his wife that this isn't a, a forever job, but it's like, dude, you're 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 the district attorney of Gotham City. Yeah. Like, this will never end for you. Right. Like, did did you not look at the 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 job description like <laughs> did the indeed was was it was the indeed ad not clear enough for you like <laughs> i'm curious Yes. I'm disappointed in this part because I wanted to know what movie they were going to watch. You know, if I had to guess, probably something from Michael Bay. <laughs> For a second, I honestly thought that was going to be um, maybe a creative change in which they actually scar his face, but I'm glad that's not the case. Yeah, me too. I thought when the house exploded, I was like, oh boy, are they really going to, they're going to start it off with him turning into Two-Face? Now we get a nice new look at this nice little Batmobile here. Very simple in style, I think, but effective. Yeah. Almost animated series-esque to some extent, too. Yeah, especially with the front portion. I was actually leaning towards the back end, honestly. The back end makes me think of it a little bit more. Let me see. Let's see if I can get another shot at it. Oh, yeah, you're right. But I do think oh, the, yeah. the front yeah. end for sure does have some resemblance to the animated series. The turkey is roasting. You know what it really reminds me of? It's the new Batman Adventures, not quite the animated series. It looks like that Batmobile more so than the initial one. Yeah. And it's got the blue turbine. Yes. You know, I feel like I saw that shot just recently in a live action trailer. <laughs> <laughs>
Now, this, I think, was also an addition that wasn't in the book. Yes, yeah. Because I had just, I literally, I stopped, when I finished the novel, I decided to just boot the movie up and start watching, and this scene started to play out. I was like, all right, I know this did not happen in the graphic novel because I just got done reading this. Right. But I think it's a pretty decent, it's a nice way to get just some action in here for the movie because for for a while now up until this point there really hasn't been any i guess you would say like quote-unquote action scene yeah and batman just threw that threw a battering in that dude's <laughs> leg like it was nothing so <laughs> i like this i thought you didn't hurt people <laughs> and he just pulls the battering out of him it's like you thought wrong and, <laughs> and then he punches, punches it, it. Too. yeah <laughs> he keeps punching it too. Oh, right in the trash. Yeah, and you got to think that with his leg bleeding out like that, getting stuck in trash probably <laughs> isn't a very you know health safety kind of measure. You got to imagine. And again, you know, the, the, the darker lines, again, service the story better because of things like this. Mm-hmm. Some pretty pretty good fighting here with these goons. Cantonese. Interesting. At least that's, the, that's what the subtitle said. They were speaking yeah. Cantonese. <laughs> uh, right in the face. Hey, this is one of those fight scenes you could almost play the Batman animated series theme song over this and it would match perfectly. Yeah, I was thinking something like that. Because I I don't really have too many words when it comes to great action like this. I just I just get stuck in it because it's just that pretty to look at. Yeah. I will say Batman just looks absolutely incredible every time he fights. It feels like mm -hmm. they really took their time with every flow and motion, every punch, every knee kick, like everything was just really well done about this action sequence. Oh, <laughs> right on his hands. That was Breaks perfect. His fingers. You can definitely Kudos. tell he wasn't expecting any of these guys. Yeah. Kudos to that one goon, though. Got his fingers cracked and still trying to do some fighting. Oh. <laughs> but it gets taken out. <laughs> And this dude trying to handle the electricity and Batman's like, I'm just going to keep throwing it at you. I like he's got a glaive. And Catwoman yeah. comes and just snatches it from him and falls. I'll keep an eye on your little friends. It is Thanksgiving. Yes. Yes, it is. Oh, 
Oh, that's right. He meets Solomon Grundy here. Yep. Go to hell, Bat Freak. <laughs> and even this, like... this stuff right here, like even seeing Batman in a sewer and having it look like a shade of green, I really mm -hmm. like the way this is drawn. This is really well done. Oh, poor Mickey. Should have known better than going to the sewers of Gotham City. <laughs> and I, I like the Batman. I, that's what I like, too, is, like, he knows who Grundy is. So he, you can guess just straight from here that he's already encountered him and has possibly fought him before. I actually really like that of the things they brought from the book. I was wondering if Grundy was going to be one of the things they kept, and I'm glad they did. Yeah. Looks great, too. Mm-hmm. Born on a Monday. I do like they kind of play with your thinking here, how they keep that side of his face in the shadows. Oh, it's intentional. I think it's 110% intentional. Yep. Oh, this is not for you. It's not for your husband. It's for you. From uh, Mr. Falcone. Now, if you just see this sight unseen and think how Falcone, yeah. you would imagine Carmine. Yep. But then, you know, as it comes to find out later in the story, it was actually Alberto. Mm-hmm. Spoilers. And Carmine is not happy about that later on. I think that gets addressed in this part, too. Like towards the I believe so, yeah. The tail end of this part. I don't even know Carmine Falcone. <laughs> Liar. And then he just steps away and Batman's right there. <laughs> See, that's a nice way of doing good cop, bad yeah. cop. And I would yep. actually love to see something like that in a live-action film somewhere down the line. I mean, who knows? We might get it in the Batman. Oh, maybe. With this know. relationship that they seem to be hinting at between him and Gordon in the trailers. I like how he just kicks the chair out <laughs> from under him. Tries to he... spit on Batman, he just ducks out of the way and avoids the spit. If you had me, you would have booked me already. Montoya. As in, more than likely, Renee Montoya. Mm-hmm. Even her design there, very reminiscent of the animated series. I like how he even calls Gordon on, like, his his, his failure. Like, you, could, you haven't even figured out who killed John Vitti. Yeah. And you're trying to get information out of me. Good luck. So even like right there, he's like, you can fight, but you need to work on your detective work. Keep talking like that, they'll make you DA. 
I like how he, how Gordon is is pretty convinced that it's gonna wind up being Carmine Falcone, but what happens next is, I think, what starts to really kick the story off and shape it into what it's gonna be. But of course, you know, all things considered, Carmine Falcone would be the obvious choice. Yeah, given what we've been shown so far. Right, and even just from Gordon's perspective as commissioner. I already said she's going out to get some real food, but yet, yet that food she's bringing into him, that that's not your typical hospital food. Oh, no. That doesn't look like typical hospital food. No, no, no. I agree. Please tell me they're making spaghetti. <laughs> I love spaghetti. But I don't think he's making spaghetti. <laughs> he's making something saucy, that's for damn sure. I mean, Italian mobsters, there's got to be sauce in there somewhere. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's right. This is the part where Alberto confesses that he's the one who sent Dent the flowers. Yep. Carmine does not take it well. Oh, no. Those bell peppers do look delicious. <laughs> There's always something about animated food. Like, I know I'm sure you've seen, like, the memes of people sharing, like, you know, Studio Ghibli food and that kind of thing. There's always something about animated food that just makes you hungry. I like how Alberto says Dent's still alive <laughs> and it pisses Roman off so much that he's like, you know what, you're right. It's only because I allow it. Yeah. He does resent his son quite a bit, and it's it's resentment out of not living up to expectations that he set up himself, which yeah. is sad. Oh, and here's where he makes his mistake. Yep. Oh, you silly boy. You did what? <laughs> and he just says it no nonchalantly, like, yeah, I sent him flowers, big deal. Yeah. Just goes right back to his crossword puzzles. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's no big deal. And he just yanks him over the table. I can forgive Sloppy. <laughs> I, what I will not tolerate is presuming to speak on behalf of this family. That's something right there. That's just a showcase of... You'd have to wonder, because he's getting up there at age, too, so it's obviously, like, time, or at least based on what we know, like his time as leader, if you will, of Gotham City is probably close to over. Mm -hmm. So he's probably losing his shit a lot more often now because of it, because of that paranoia. And this is a nice display of that. Oh, and you got to imagine, Alberto really should have known better considering earlier he watched a guy get thrown to his death because he didn't address his father as godfather. Right. And, like, you really thought if you told him that you sent flowers to the dents that he would be okay with it. Oh, God, no. 
Uh-uh. Matter of fact, Alberto's lucky that the only thing that he got was, you know, that on top of being told, you have no right to talk to them now. Like, you are banned from talking to them. Yeah. And all the while... Goes right back to making his sauce, too. Right. And all the while, there's Selena Kyle outside the window. I wonder what she could be doing spying on Carmine Falcone, of all people. (laughs) Hmm. See, even those buildings right there very reminiscent of the animated series even the cop cars the cop cars yeah. are even reminiscent of the animated mm-hmm. series i'd even say gordon's design a little bit very much so just without the gray hair yeah but not harvey dent harvey dent looks a little bit different because in the animated series he had what looked what i would anyway perceive as like slick back black hair and he had more of a round chin. This one looks, I think, a lot more like the, the long Halloween comic book, Harvey Dent. Yeah. It's funny because I've seen Harvey Dent with, like, blonde hair, brown hair, black hair. Like, I've, I've seen that character go through in a, a couple different creative creations over the years. You know, it's funny that you mentioned Harvey Dent's look in the animated series. He always reminded me um, of the, if you remember the original Nintendo version of Punch-Out! There's mm-hmm. a mm-hmm. boxer, Don Flamenco, and I always felt like Harvey Dent looked in the animated series looked like Don Flamenco from Punch-Out! Yeah. You know what's eerily funny, though, is I, I watch this, and then I hear Josh Dumbbell's voice, and then I just kind of just see him playing this role. I do too, yeah. And that's not I think f- he would he would be a very good two-face. Yeah, that's what I've heard from a lot of other people too. Like this would be a really great role for him if he were to take on a live action take on Two-Face. You hear that Matt Reeves? Man, there are a lot of villains I'd love for Matt Reeves to do. Me too. There's given what we're already seeing of what he's done with the Riddler, I I just want to see his interpretation of so many different villains. Well, I don't, you know, since we're kind of talking about it, I don't think it's really, you know, if you're listening to this, I would hope you've already seen this movie and you're watching along, or if this is your, if you're watching along for the first time, awesome, but I really do like that Matt Reeves is specifically pulling from this in year one's Catwoman, Carmine Falcone-esque relationship. Mm-hmm. That definitely feels inspired more so by this story than anything. And the beer looks good. And I hate beer. <laughs> I had wine last night. I'm not really a beer guy. Nah, same. Dude, man, that is one giant wealth on his face. Well, Batman messed him up pretty good. <laughs> like, real good, actually. Barbara. Oh, you missed dinner. Poor Jim. Alfred and Selena with a giant turkey. Man, that is a Thanksgiving I'd love to attend. Mm-hmm. Alfred's cooking skills? Yes, please. Give her a little <laughs> smack. Don't touch my turkey. Too and much. they both laugh. 
Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. How the holiday killer uses a uh, piece of bottle rubber as a silencer. Yeah. And this is just this is just touching. Like leaving Solomon Grundy some food. That warms my heart. That little smile that Grundy makes. Born on a Monday. I told him where he could stick the cape. <laughs> look at it, look at them. They're all just like. <laughs> pow, pow, pow. I like how he leaves a cornucopia of crap there as like a. <laughs> yeah. Like that. And again, you know, Thanksgiving, this is the holiday killer. But they don't know that yet. Even Arkham Asylum, like this, this is very much not the building itself, but the lead up with the way that the Arkham mm-hmm. is displayed on the gate. It's very much animated series, but I do like the way that they made Arkham look here. How yeah. it's kind of like a three pronged tower kind of Jabba the Hut ish looking. Honestly, it reminds me of like a Dracula's castle type thing, the way it's all on its own up on that hill. That Cobblepot looked a lot like Cobblepot from Batman Returns. Yep. Jonathan Crane with long black hair. Yeah. I didn't see that the first time. I'm glad I caught that this time. I didn't know. When I first saw the the little guy, it didn't even come to my head that that might be... Um, Mad Hatter. Mad Hatter. Also, this is Calendar Man, voiced by David Dismalchin, who played Polka Dot Man in uh, James Gunn's The Suicide Squad, which came out this past August. He just does a really good job of playing very awkward characters. <laughs> I feel like he brings a sense of calm that you would need for a character like Calendar Man. Yeah. Because Calendar Man isn't really an over-the-top kind of villain. He's very meticulous, and I like that. Cold and, cold and calculated. A little bit. And I feel like David Dismalchin delivered that here with his take on Calendar Man. Because there is a bit of a, a Calendar Man cameo in the Suicide Squad, and I wasn't about it, but I like this take here. Kind of a... Um... Hannibal Lecter, honestly. Almost. And of course, he would be consulted on these murders because obviously one happened on Halloween, the other one happened on Thanksgiving. Mm hmm. The DA who puts you all in Arkham. That's true. That is something that yeah. they do establish was that Dent was the one that put away Day, Tetch, Cobblepot, Scarecrow. I think in the book. I think that's how it went down. I do know one of them got replaced in the book. There's there's a swap here from, from the, the, the adaption here in the animated movies from the book. One character's different. I think it's supposed to be... I think Riddler's in the book and Scarecrow's in the, in the movie. Um, I could be wrong I'm, about that, but I'm I don't... pretty sure Scarecrow is in both. I don't recall the Riddler. I know for sure the Joker is. I know Solomon oh, yeah. Grundy is. I know Jervis Tetch is. Poison Ivy. 
And of course, Two-Face, as we'll come to find out. But I feel like there might have been one more. I don't know. I like that. I like that quote from Batman. I don't have time for your crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, what's also interesting is that this first part is rated PG-13. The second part is rated R. Mm-hmm. Joke. Batman's just like, oh, crap, you don't, you're not telling me. Happy holiday. Identity unknown. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Look Gross. at all that trash. <laughs> Gotta imagine how long he was stockpiling that. That is absolutely just oomph. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Of the things that I do like about the novel, the design of the Joker was actually one of my least favorite things. I'm really glad they took a more traditional design here with this character. I agree, too. I was not a fan of the Joker's design in the graphic novel. I just think his smile is way too big and way too Max comic. Yeah. Yep, totally agree. That's why I was kind of worried here when we when this scene's coming up with you don't really see his face. And I feel like they kind of did that on purpose to kind of make you wonder, like, do you think we're going to go the route of making him look like the comic version? And I feel like they dialed back his smile enough to where it made sense visually, but it also is still cryptically even homage enough to it. Like, he does do a pretty wide grin, all things considered, but it's not super large and over the top. Not to, not a knock to Tim Sale's art. It's just if there's one design of his I'm not a fan of, it's the Joker. And I feel yeah. like here for this animated version of it, a lot better. Shout out to Troy Baker again for doing the voice of the Joker. I don't mind Troy Baker as the Joker. He's not not my least favorite, but not my favorite, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Although I do think he turned in a solid performance here opposite uh, Jensen Ackles. I think I do like the design of his Joker a lot, just in terms yeah. of the way his hair's done and the suit piece that he's wearing. It's very uh, Jack Nicholson meets Killing Joke to some mm -hmm. extent. Yeah. I'm still waiting for a modern take on that. Because we saw it in, like, Batman Forever and Batman and Robin of Alfred on the screen in the Batmobile. Yeah. But I want to see that now. <laughs> Maybe that's a little too greedy, but I don't care. That's what I want to see. Look at Dent trying to take on the Joker himself. Uh, to be fair, he gets a couple, couple good licks in. Yeah, he does. And then Joker kicks him in the crotch. <laughs> but also to Joker's, you know, loon own lunacy, he tries to you know, pass it off as... Have you heard the one about the murderous clown? <laughs> He's kind of calling Den on a secret here, which is pretty funny. Mm hmm. 
Happy Harvey Dent is stepping out. <laughs> oh. I like that the attention to detail here where his face is still bloody and beaten to shit by Harvey while yeah. he's threatening him. A nice little bruise over the eye. Yeah. Backhand and smacks him with that gun. Yeah, he slaps him up pretty good. That's got to be a, a feeling of relief, though, if you pass out seeing the Joker and then you open your eyes and you got Batman standing over you. That is true. That would be a little bit relieving if I were Harvey Dent after that. Oh, you poor goon. Why would you try and pull a gun on Batman? Are you really that <laughs> dumb? Good God. I can get the drop on him. There's always something very disturbing about people who get uh, the Joker toxin put on them. I even like how Moroni made a point, like, if you want your information, get your knee off my neck. Because, <laughs> yeah. again, to your point, you know, this is still a Batman who's just hungry for information, but he's not by any means ready to talk about it. He's just going to beat the snot out of you until he gets it. Mm-hmm. Maybe I should thank him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where you get off. <laughs> Can't blame him. I mean, you, 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 in Batman's defense, he probably thought he would be going for another gun. Now oh, we I got... Like I like Killer Crocs and Moss Super yeah, Zombies. Yeah, just gonna say he mentioned Killer Crocs and Zombies. That's funny. When he says when he said Moss, do you think he is he referring to Firefly? Killer Moth, maybe. Killer Moth or Firefly? Yeah. I don't know. You do gotta. I mean, you gotta see his point though. You know, he's this organized crime mobster and he's like you know back in the day it was just us it was just us versus the police now you got all these like supernatural creatures running around he's freaking dressed as a makeup. clown yeah oh poor carmine empty chambers I like how the Joker is wearing a giant top hat with a J <laughs> yeah. card in it. That, <laughs> yeah. I think, was in the book, too, but that's still such a nice touch. I'd also just like to point out there's some really great shots here of Batman in animation where you get the full frontal shots of both his ears looking up, but then when he's also got a side view, you can see the outline of his head, but also the ears going straight up. The animation yeah. here is just really crisp when it comes to Batman. Love how the Joker critiques Carmine Falcone on his fashion sense. Right. Is this the face of a killer? I like how he took Roman's giant red rose. <laughs> yeah. And put it on his own jacket. Just to mess with him. Pulpetto. Apparently the Joker doesn't kill on Christmas. 
I guess not. <laughs> I feel like if there's one character that might need a break, it might be the Joker. But <laughs> yeah. at the very same time, I don't think I'll say no to more Joker. Yeah. He really just, I mean, yep, that, yep, mm -hmm. <laughs> I remember that too. That was always a great spot. <laughs> Ugh, yeah. I know, right? That's so gross, but at the same time, it's just like, it is Carmine Falcone, so yeah. there's a bit of you that just thinks, well, maybe he deserves a little bit. <laughs> I like how he just comes out, and his goons are all Joker eyes, and he's just like, what? <laughs> I love this whole scene where he's just he's trying to gun down Joker and Joker's just having fun with it. You ever feel like some of the goons that any bosses in Gotham hire have the same aim as the Stormtroopers <laughs> in Star Wars? Yeah. <laughs> he really just pulled out a hand cannon. <laughs> And to be fair, even Joker not doing too well with that aim. Yeah, I don't think either one of them. Well, obviously one cares about aiming. The other one doesn't really have much regard for it. And <laughs> just jumps out the window. <laughs> I know, right? Such a Joker thing to do. I guess then again, too, you got to imagine all these goons and stuff. They probably don't go to, you know, gun training. They just get handed a gun and go, all right, you work for us now. Uh -oh. So I guess it makes sense that they wouldn't be able to shoot too well. Nope. Here's the holiday kill number three. You had your chance right there, man. You had a gun. I know, right? He just kind of stood there and was just like, oh, damn. I guess I'll just die now. Yeah. Like, at least pull your gun up and try to defend yourself. Christmas. I like the snow globe is the touch. It's yeah. A little calling card there. Batman's like, I'm getting real sick of this shit. Batman's like, well, great. Now there's like three possible suspects for the holiday killer. This is just fantastic. I think this is the scene where he says it. He says something on the lines of like, I never thought I'd have to be a detective. Your father built that hospital. He helped the Roman build it. Huh. Still a good cause. Three murders on three holidays. Each of the victims, a Falcone associate. All shot with the same type of untraceable gun. No witnesses. Suspects. Salvatore Moroni. Of course. Carla Vitti. She wouldn't kill her own son, that's for sure. The Joker. <laughs> Alfred, he is a homicidal maniac. And, of course, the Roman himself.
but I don't think the Roman would kill his own bodyguard, especially one he trusted that much. And then, of course, the last one, Javi Dent. I do like how they do kind of hint at the fact that he does have something going on there with Harvey Dent. Mm-hmm. I thought it would be about sweeping criminals off the street, maybe scaring them straight. I never thought Batman was going to have to be a detective. Say, so, yeah, there we go. That's I, I love that line. It was just like, all I wanted to do was dress up in my suit, go out and beat some goons up, and put some people in jail. I like Alfred's reassurance to him, too, because he yeah. says, I, I believe the Batman will be whatever the world needs him to be. And that's kind of the, the, the swift kick in the pants that I, you'd have to imagine Bruce Wayne probably needed. Oh, oh, man, I remember this sequence going down the way that it goes down and the speech that Carmine Falcone gives here uh-huh. and how just how much of a bad way this rubs Alberto after everything is all said and done. Yeah. <laughs> you got, you got the Pope <laughs> or mm-hmm. a, a Cardinal or something there. <laughs> I'm curious to see if we'll actually see Sal Maroni in, the Batman, because we know John Turturro is playing Carmine Falcone in that movie, so I wonder if they've cast anyone for Sal Maroni. Yeah, you gotta wonder, because I mean, we did see those newspaper clippings in the first trailer with his name on it, so mm-hmm. I mean, he does, he is there. And there's Bruce Wayne standing in the shadows. And honestly, I could even see having Bruce Wayne having some ties to Roman Fal- Roman Carmine the Roman Falcone in uh-huh. the Batman as part of that being like touching on his parents' origins to some extent. Because obviously, that's a thing in the book too, where his parents built the hospital with yeah Carmine. Well, and I mean, there is that that quote where the Riddler's, you know, you're part of this, right. Oh, he said Cord Universal. There's a nod to Ted Cord, Blue Beetle. Oh, I didn't even catch that. Yeah, it's a blink. It it just it was very very quick, but I caught it. Ha! <laughs> she took her bracelet <laughs> <laughs> as Catwoman would. Nothing is more important to me than family. Is making this man feel like he is not part of this family. Alberto kind of starts perking up a little bit here. It's like, uh uh-uh, you thought. (laughs) We believe in business. We believe in Gotham City. Oh, Bruce Wayne... 
Uh, uh, he even starts to take a step. I know, right? Like, uh, and, 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 and as soon as he said the son I never had, I was like, oh, Alberto, you're going to get crushed here in a second. <laughs> it's like that SpongeBob episode where, or no, the movie where SpongeBob thought he was going to get the Krusty Krab part two. Oh, yeah. And they give it to Squidward. Oh, is that what happens? I don't think I've seen that. Yeah, it was in the, the original Spongebob movie. Mr. Krabs builds the Krusty Krab Part 2 right next door to the Krusty Krab. <laughs> mm. And he's going to name like an employee to be the new owner. And uh, Spongebob thinks it's going to be him. And he calls on Squidward instead. Ah. So Spongebob drowns his sorrows at an ice cream parlor. Not Winnie Hutt Jr.? No, not Winnie Hutt Jr., sadly. Oh, okay. But Heaven Help Holiday. If you... Man, this sequence right here of them and uh, after Christmas but close to New Year's, you can kind of see the tension between all four, you mm -hmm. know, the two couples. Paid her way through law school. That's right. She she's a former lawyer. Mm hmm And Joker. This is also from the book, I think. Joker yes. taking the plane and yeah. Poison gas? Chick. Time to ring in the new year. Why haven't we seen Pilot Joker in a movie yet? I don't know. Kind of want to see that now. I mean, we've seen Nurse Joker. We've seen SWAT Joker. We've <laughs> seen, you know, Top, you know, Top Hat Joker. Like, I want to see Pilot Joker now. This was a change, too, if I remember right. Batman, Bruce was not on the boat during this whole thing. Yeah, I don't think so. I think even some of the stuff with Selena Kyle is also an addition, too. Yeah. And again, another character I've seen interpreted with a couple different hairstyles over the years and different incarnations. Like, you know, you've got mm -hmm. Michelle Pfeiffer, who's a blonde. you got Anne Hathaway, who's brunette. And here she's got, like, short black hair. Yeah. And then soon we'll be getting Zoe Kravitz. Yeah, who has, you know, I think she has a resemblance of this hairstyle, at least at one point in the trailer, but it looks like she'll predominantly have the, the shortcut that was featured is kind of inspired by the year one look. Uh, poor Bruce. Never can catch a break. I'll see you on the other side. Where did that boat come from? Just came out of nowhere. <laughs> you took my watch without me noticing. So when did you do it? I'm curious. Oof. Curiosity can get you killed. 
He's still standing there like, um, but my watch. Where? I like this addition, too, because if I remember right in the graphic novel, I don't believe they were in the crowd when the Joker tried to do his flyby. I don't think so. I don't think that was a thing. Oof. Such a touchy subject. Yeah, for real. Especially having that having it out in such a public setting like that. Yeah, for real. Poor Gilda. And even Gordon's just kind of like looking at it like, <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't know what oh, to this do. Is, this is an awkward double date. <laughs> Uh-oh. Here comes the Joker. <sighs> Crappy New Year. I like this part, too, because it's like, oh, man, he's going to release the gas right now? No. <laughs> Silly Joker. Aha, uh -huh. your gas didn't work. That sucks. All the people in the crowd are like, the hell was that? He's really looking at the manual while he flies. <laughs> yeah. Only he would, right? And while he and while he's singing too, <laughs> the safety. <laughs> oh, 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 oh! Wow, he really—that's really all he was missing. <laughs> yep. Oh shit! All he had to do was pull the safety, and all those people would be dead right now. The bigger irony is he had to pull the safety to let the gas go. Yeah. That's ironic. Well, shit. <laughs> you got a bat on your tail there, Joker. Run up the building. Come on, Batman, you got this. This way. Follow me, ma'am. Get his wife to safety. That was a great shot of the plane with Batman on it going over the city. I did like this fight here on the plane. This little scuffle that they have. Yeah. Because logic would dictate that this would never be plausible. I still find it fun as hell. Yeah. Be interesting if they if this was ever attempted in live action. <laughs> I would be genuinely surprised if someone had the balls to try and make this look like a believable fight in the air in live action. Oh, pop it. <laughs> That's also from the book, too. Yeah. Batman getting acid sprayed on, on his shoulder from the Joker. Mm -hmm.
I love how Joker's doing all this out of competition. And for pure sport of it, yeah. Yeah. He doesn't want to be he doesn't want to be second best. He wants to be the number one killer. Mm-hmm. Half the city's down there, which means either holiday is or isn't. Well, you, you, all things considered, that's not bad logic to go by. Can't really argue that. And he still gets what he wants because, you know, he's a psychopath. Like, if I don't get him, I still kill people, I win. It's like, oof, that's dark. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we both love a good puzzle. <laughs> Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) He would ask that. I know. Oh, I just headbutts him. Then lets the gas go. Mm. Oh. You just knock him out with like one swift. Just <laughs> he's just gonna let the plane plane fly into the water now. Watch. Yep. <laughs> so what about the gas that's just kind of exuding? It's just gonna disapparate. Okay. There goes my resolution. <laughs> I love how we left him hanging. Right, just as the clock is going to strike 12. (laughs) (laughs) You think he did it intentionally just to leave him right there, right where the center of the clock is, the way he gets like the maximum ding from the bell? Oh, he had to have. trying to imagine what it's like to grow up around all of this i wouldn't know because the one time he tried to do something to be in the business he got the crap kicked out of him for it right because i'm weak That's really unfortunate and some, like, lightweight brainwashing there going on. The fact that he gave up love because of some family obligation. Yep. And he still puts up with it to this day. The family didn't approve of what he wanted, so he buckled under the pressure. And they still don't approve of what he is now, either. Yeah. So it's like he gave it up for nothing. Right. Props to Jack Quaid, too, for voicing this character. Mm Mm-hmm. Did a really great job. Oh, gee, I don't know why you feel like you can talk to her. Maybe she's like a sister or something to you. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, no, no, uh... no, no. (laughs) Oh, man. I forgot that part happens, too. (laughs) 
<laughs> Luke and Leia vibes. A little bit, huh? Batman's got to be tired by now. <laughs> he just went through a, a huge fight on an airplane with Joker and now had to make his way back over here. And Alberto Falcone is holiday. But I still solved the puzzle. The rejected son, born to inherit an empire, cast aside. A shot of Batman. Oof. Yeah. Papa. <laughs> and to to Batman's point too, like how he said earlier, he didn't plan on trying to be a detective. You know, you. I guess you could kind of say this is him. At, he's thinking that he got that it. He's figured it out. Yeah, I was actually going to bring up the same point once. It shows that he got shot because it it just proves that he's wrong. Mm-hmm. Showing that Batman still has quite a bit to learn on his the the detective side. Right, and this really drives it home. Yeah, what happens next? Oomph. Poor Alberto. Mm. That's some brutal shots. Dude, the way he dies is just... Oh my yeah. god. Yeah. Just... I'm oh, su- man. I'm surprised that this got the PG-13 right yeah. with that. That was that was brutal. And unfortunate, too, because you see yeah. like the, the rip crossword puzzles. And the look on Batman's face is just like, I was wrong, and he yep. died. This is lightweight my fault yeah he should have been protecting him instead of accusing him right well he lacked one thing real evidence yeah and now he's got the evidence he needs in the form of well here's a holiday killer and I need to get him now imagine that imagine you're at like a fancy party people in tuxedo you're drinking champagne and a dude in a bat suit comes running by Right, and then another guy dressed like the Phantom is is, <laughs> yeah. is the person Batman's chasing. Or the Shadow, sorry. And gets away on a getaway boat, just like that. Honestly, the, the costume kind of reminds me of um, Darkman. Darkman, a little bit of old school vigilante without, uh, yeah. with, without some cowboy boots. Yeah. Maybe a little bit of Zorro. Just a smidge. Without the Z or the sword. Or the Antonio Banderas. <laughs> <laughs> Is champagne glass and confetti really a nice egg, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Why right, look. It's holiday. <laughs> I mean what? <laughs> I, w- I like how he always has this kind of hunch to him. 
mm-hmm. whenever Batman comes into frame in a lot of shots. He's always got this like little bit of a hunch coming to him. Mm. Alberto wasn't holiday. Um, no, he kind of got chopped by the holiday pieces. killer. Right. Yeah. I thought I was supposed to stop him, but I was supposed to save him. And that right that, there, that accountability is, I think, what's really important here for for Batman's arc in this story. Mm-hmm. Just like he said there, I needed to be better. Mm-hmm. Now Falcone's down a son. Which I think that is kind of a, a revelation for him and in a certain way too yeah who is holiday gee i don't know (laughs) do you know harvey no he might have a clue or two in regards to who holiday is i like how it pans up and shows the moon cuts to black in memory of Naya Rivera, 1987-2020. Rest in peace. Man, that's crazy. Did what did 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 we know how she passed? Um, unfortunately, she drowned saving her son in a in a in a like a river or a, wow, that's uh, on the tragic. ocean or something. I don't really remember the fine details, but um, yeah, man, unfortunately, she she drowned. Man, two years younger than me. That's crazy. Wow, man, showing your age there a little bit, aren't mm-hmm. you? I know. I'm an old man. But yeah, that, this is... Gray in the beard to prove it. Part one, well, almost quite part one. We still got a little bit of a post credit sequence to that we're waiting on here, which I actually was not expecting them to do until the credits wrapped. I was like, oh, wow, post credit sequence. Uh, yeah, I didn't even think there were going to be post credit sequences. I only found out when you told me. Because I think this is... This is one of the first times that they've done it in animation. Or I could be wrong about that, but I feel like this is, you know, one of the more prominent showcases of them doing a, a post credit sequence. It makes me kind of wonder, could it maybe just be with this new this new kind of uh, set of animated movies? I mean, I don't know, maybe by chance the Superman movie had an after credit sequence. Did it? I know Justice Society did. I think because I don't think uh, I don't think any of the previous that whole continuity where you know with Constantine and everything I don't think any of those had after credit sequences I feel like one of them had a mid credits featuring Batgirl but maybe it's been a while I don't really recall too much but I know for sure when the credits were happening they did something else I was like oh huh, how about that I know neither of us were too impressed with the after credit sequence in part two. Yeah, let's not talk about that just yet. <laughs> let's just not. <laughs> yeah, I will say of of the two films, I think that this post credit sequence that is coming up works out for me personally better than the one that comes out for <laughs> the second one. For the second one, right. And as we're about to see here, because these credits are just wrapped, you know, we get the f- the funeral of Alberto Falcone, 
but this is where I was when it really jogged my memory of what happens in the book because of what happens next and where we will pick up with part two. Amen. Rest in peace, Alberto, not the holiday killer Falcone. I mean, did they even have anything to put in that casket? <laughs> you know, that, that that you mention it, probably probably <laughs> not. Which is even more unfortunate. Oh, this is... Oh, yeah. Time and time again, you refuse me. I like he he just straight up calls him out on it. Yep. I'm not going to be your money launderer. And this is where things got really interesting. Yep. As soon as you see that, you know what's happening. Oh, 100%. And I love this take of Poison Ivy. And I Me like too. It. I like that she was teased and that they saved... I like that the first part of the film, or the first part of the story, and the first part that they decided to do was, you know, Halloween through New Year's, because now that leaves February through the rest of the following Halloween to do part two, which I look forward to doing, because that's going to be a very interesting watch, considering it is R-rated, there's a lot more villains, the story is a little bit more, it, like you just yeah. go, you're dropped in and you just go. Yeah, this one, uh, the first part is very much kind of a slow burn. It's got to introduce the characters. You kind of get a sense of what's going on. You know, there's a little bit of action here and there. Like I said, I mean, really, if you think about it, if we didn't have that uh, that additional fight scene between him and the those um, Cantonese gang members, I mean, really, there wasn't much of really any kind of action besides him chasing the Joker. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But even still, I think on its own merits, just as a part one, or even just as a standalone Batman movie, I like what it set out to do. It has really great animation. Again, the voice cast is just impeccable. The style, the direction, the music even behind it, the score is just really well done. Really well made animated movie. And I look forward to doing part two. But before we get to part two, we still have one more part of another Batman animated something to talk about and that is uh we're as we as everyone knows Batman the Animated Series. That's right. We are continuing our rewatch of Batman the Animated Series on HBO Max, and we are going to end this episode with our review of Feet of Clay, Part 1. Now, Craig, I watched this earlier this morning. You caught it last night. Let me get your brief thoughts on The Feet of Clay, Part 1. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Um, one thing that I did notice is um, Batman's not really in it too much. 
this very much is a, a, a origin story for Clayface, um, for Matt Hagen. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I do like that they spent a majority of the time with Matt Hagen and kind of seeing everything he's going through. Um, very, very good episode. And I think, honestly, for what we're going through with uh, the Halloween kind of theme here, a, a good two epi- two-parter episode to kind of go along with this kind of horror theme to it because it's very much a, a monster story in on all, all honesty. Yeah, I don't disagree. It is very much a, a monstrous, tragic tale of someone who, who's, you know, you could also see the, the, the pains of addiction there, too, going on with Feet of Clay. Yeah. And I just think these are, you know, some of the most highly regarded episodes, especially in, I feel like you could put Feet of Clay, uh, Robin's Reckoning, uh, Heart of Ice, you can all put all those episodes in a, in a pretty huge top tier category, I think. Yeah. But what this episode, what this, what Feet of Clay does, it takes, um, a little bit of Basil Carlo and it takes a little bit of Matt Hagen from uh, traditional Batman comic lore and kind of molds the two together here. We've got the character of Matt Hagen who's doing these really ugly things for Roland Daggett. But as we come to find out uh, later on, um, Daggett creates this, this like special cream, if you will, that kind of gives Matt Hagen the ability to morph his face into, you know, any any which way he could for 24 hours, but the cost of it is, you know, he's addicted to it, he has anger spurts, and he it, it's almost like he's, you know, kind of an addict, and yeah, it he, he's doing some pretty heinous things for Roland Daggett to continue getting a supply of this stuff, even still going so far as to impersonate Bruce Wayne to spook Lucius Fox, whom in this continuity, the, Lucius and Bruce have only been contacting and working with each other for just under you know just over five years so their relationship i think is still kind of fresh in that regard so this even kind of offsets another subplot of of lucius feeling like he has been betrayed by bruce wayne so there's two different things going on here with the feet of clay episodes but i did like how they you you do see the the fall of matt hagan you do see just him continuously make worst decisions and it's all because he just wants his face to feel normal and that's tragic but smart in the way that it's written because of the way that it is tragic it really is like a it's kind of an interesting way for them to do the topic of addiction without using you know drugs or alcohol the kind of mm-hmm. the go-to things that you would normally discuss or show in a story about addiction it's a very interesting take to do something like this this face cream that daggett has come up with right and then we all and then when it gets to the point of you know matt hagan making that choice of you know if i can't get this by any kind of like credible means if i can't do this by just being daggett's lackey then i'm just going to take matters into my own hands i'm essentially going to you know, the old saying is get higher in your own supply, but he's in, in this case, he's going to take the supply from the supplier in an attempt anyway. And that does not bode well for him in any regard. And in, in that what happens in, in, in response to that is I would equate this to maybe kind of something equin to an overdose to some extent where yeah. he is just fed, not even fed, but he's just had this, 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 I wouldn't call it a toxin, but this chemical, this you know the substance that is just you know it's obviously the precursor to this face cream that he uses but having such a large amount just dumped into his into his body 
pour down his throat. Pour down his like, throat, right? Like, that scene, like to go along with our just this Halloween just horror theme. That's a that's a pretty disturbing kind of terrifying scene where the two goons of um, Daggett hold him down, and uh, one of them takes the chemical stuff, and just you just see their shadows, and you see it getting poured down his throat while he's just struggling. And you also even just hear him gag on it too. Yeah, so, it's it's really it's graphic without actually showing how graphic it is. Yeah, and again, you know, this is really ironic because it get, it, it's a kid show from the nineties. Yeah. So when that happened, I remember even watching that episode way back when as a kid, thinking like, "Ooh, that's mm-hmm, mm-hmm." Just be a good person. Just stay being a good person because then things like that won't happen to you, right? And when and when Hagen's friend finds him in the car, oh we don't we don't necessarily get a full shot of Clayface at all in this first episode. You just get a little bit of a hint of what he looks like as he looks in the rearview mirror. Mm-hmm. And the the yell that he makes when he looks at himself in the rearview mirror, that's a that's kind of a haunting way to end the episode. Right. But before the episode ends, to your point, there there might not be a, a lot of Batman in this episode, but the bit of Batman that is in this episode is is great, pretty <laughs> iconic. I mean, he he yeah. opens up the episode with you know as these guys are trying to ransack Lucius Fox after being had by you know uh, Matt Hagen impersonating Bruce Wayne. Batman comes after these go these goons and goes too late, dirtbag. <laughs> I got I've got that quote down on my notes too. Too late, dirtbag. <laughs> and they both are like, what? And you just see Batman. I also like that because Batman comes out of comes out of the top and he takes them all out. You see these goons tumble downstairs. Mm-hmm. You see them try and use a shotgun against him, and Batman just takes it and slaps this goon <laughs> yeah. with it. Oh man. I don't know what I, do, I, I I like in this episode too, I like that the goons actually have personality and character to them. because uh, you've got Bell who is obsessed with the police radio and he's mm-hmm. listening to it all the time. Mm-hmm. And then you got um I guess they just they call him Germs. Jones, I think. Jones. Germs Jones, okay. something like that. The Germs one with Jones. the mustache. Yeah. Yeah. And he is just he's just a, he's a germaphobe. He's, he's kind of a weasel. He, yeah. He's even got that voice of his. I love his voice. <laughs> when he when Daggett tells him to go take out Hagen and he's just like I don't have to go to the hospital with all those sick people I don't want to go to the hospital with all these sick people but even like I also love that this episode does kind of showcase everyone always like oh Batman's not brutal he doesn't he doesn't torture criminals he doesn't he's not like that with them and it's like no this this episode gives me exactly that because Batman takes the bat wing he gets Bell in his car and then he pulls out like a little claw (laughs) holds Bell he grabs him with the, his own version of the Jaws of Life. <laughs> yeah. And he's and he's getting information out of Bell. He's like, so, who was Lucius Fox there to see? And Bell tries to pass it off like, Bruce Wayne. And then Batman goes, <laughs> you lying sleaze. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that is the one of the best line deliveries that Kevin, Kevin Conroy is, yep. could deliver as Batman. There's a ton throughout the entirety of this animated series. But that's, yeah. that's some of my favorite right there. Yeah, just the fact that he's got this this goon in his jaws of life with his batwing, and he's just flying around with him hanging outside his batwing. I love the uh, I love the sounds of the batwing too. Mm-hmm. The noise that it makes when it's flying that I love that sound effect. 
or like right before he gets an answer out of Bell, he's he faints and Batman goes, <laughs> he fainted. Yeah. <laughs> he fainted. And then GCPD shows up and is like, you need to release him. And Batman's like, all right, fine. And then drops him in a pool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this will wake you up, Bell. One of my other favorite quotes in this episode is when um when he's sitting at the back computer and he's trying to figure out the two goons that he encountered when he mm-hmm. saved Lucius Fox. And mm-hmm. he's typing in the computer, and he goes, "I know my fist has landed on that job once before." Yeah. <laughs> just like, only Batman would remember. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, I punched that guy before. I feel like that jaw's familiar. I know my fist has hit it. <laughs> <laughs> but I also love that this episode ends with like it's it ends on Bruce Wayne getting arrested for you know the, what, yeah. the, what the media tries to spin is like an attempted murder on Lucius Fox's life, and it's like he. It was a little unorthodox for to Bruce Wayne to just kind of just show up in the through a mirror, but through yeah. the, through the glass. But hey, you know, it is what it is. And I feel like we haven't seen that yet either in live action. Like watching Bruce Wayne get arrested for mm-hmm. something he did not do. Now, in all the movies, Bruce Wayne's very much been kind of the the background character. He's never really taken a full front approach in terms of the plot lines of really any of the movies if you think about it Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's true you know he the bruce wayne character has always largely been kind of a treated more in a a supporting secondary ish kind of way to some extent especially with the newer film it feels like like pattinson's batman is is definitely more wanting to be batman than bruce wayne yeah, and honestly, I was going to mention that in our breakdown of the trailer from the last episode is that I get the sense that Pattinson's version of Bruce Wayne is going to be very much of the recluse. He doesn't want to be out and about in public. He doesn't want to be the center of attention. So I wonder if he's even going to do that kind of millionaire playboy aspect because I, I just don't get that vibe from Pattinson's Bruce Wayne from what we've seen in the trailers. Yeah, he hasn't quite reached what what Kevin Conroy's animated Batman is, and you know, there's a, there's a solid balance there between juggling the Playboy billionaire and the Dark Knight detective that we all know and love. Which I also like how you know this episode kind of ends on that, you know, th- those two cliffhangers of of Bruce Wayne being arrested and then Matt Hagen coming, you know, seeing that monster that he has become, and what will set us up for Feet of Clay Part Two which we will get to with our second part of uh, the Long Halloween Review. But, you know, Craig, this has been a lot of fun. We're, yeah. you know, I love talking Batman with you. I love talking the animated series. I love talking the Long Halloween. This has been a lot of fun. I can't wait to do commentary part two. Oh, gee, I wonder how long it's going to take for us to get to that one. I don't know. Oh, yeah. But um, any last thoughts on uh, Batman the Long Halloween? Um, just that, yeah, I mean, like you said, it, it's a great honestly it could stand on its own if they wanted to try to eventually like had they not obviously done a part one and part two just straight away Mm -hmm. i really liked the way that the long halloween ended you could have i would have been satisfied waiting for that second one because it really does leave you with a man batman failed essentially yeah, he he thought he had it all figured out. He thought he found his culprit, and it turned out he was completely wrong. And it led to a very brutal death. 
And it is very much leading into, of you know, with that NTs of Poison Ivy kind of taking over Bruce Wayne, it, you're just kind of like, okay, he really has, yeah. like, not thought of everything, and we're going to see, like, the, the ramifications of that, for sure. And do you have a kind of a grade for Feet of Clay Part 1? If I, I honestly, I would give it probably like a four. Four out of five out of battle five. rings? Yeah. That's apt. Yeah. I would give Feet of Clay a... If I'm being honest, I'd probably give it. Yeah, I'm probably right there with you. Four out of five. Yeah. Well, there's, there's too many, too many good lines in that one. Yes, there were a lot of great lines, especially the lying sleaze. Lies, Such <laughs> good line delivery from Kevin Conroy there. And if 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 only the commentaries weren't going to be the titles, I'd definitely just title this episode "You Lying Sleaze." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But I do believe that will do it for this episode of the Eternal Night Podcast. Craig, where can people, again, find you on the interwebs if they wish to follow you along? I know you just have the Instagram page. But go ahead and plug it. Yep. I'm on Instagram at Omega, C-R-A-I-G-G-Y-O-M-E-G-A. That's right. Y'all can follow Craig there on Instagram. You also can follow this show on Instagram. Just search for T-E-K underscore podcast. You can also search us on Twitter and Facebook. You can also follow me along on Twitter, Facebook, Vero, and Instagram, just at Unfiltered. And, yeah, that is pretty much where we're going to wrap this up for this episode. Don't forget to like and subscribe everywhere else. Please feel free to leave us a review on iTunes. It helps us get the show noticed. And, yeah, if you have any questions, feel free to email us at eternalnightpod at gmail.com or, you know, just ask us any questions on Twitter or Facebook. We're always welcome. We always open. We, we get to it when we can, but Craig and I are pretty busy guys. That said, everybody, uh, stay safe, wear your masks, have a great day or night, take it easy, and remember, it's Halloween. Come on. Jim, what the hell are we doing? Uh, the divers will be fishing out parts of Alberto Falcone for days. Five-bladed prop on its slowest speed? Hell of a way to go. That isn't how he went. He was shot by Holiday before going overboard. Hang on. Alberto wasn't Holiday? I thought he was. It was Occam's razor, Jim. The simplest solution. But it was wrong. I went there for Alberto Falcone. I thought I was supposed to stop him. But I was supposed to save him. He was innocent. And now he's dead. I needed to be better. We all did. All of us. You have to put a protective detail in Carmine Falcone. Well, if he'll even let you. Do you realize we started out trying to take down the Roman? And now we're trying to save him? When did that happen? I have a better question. If Alberto Falcone wasn't Holiday, then who is? And who's next?
Thank you for listening to The Eternal Night. This podcast is not affiliated with Warner Media or DC Entertainment. All thoughts shared belong to those involved and not the companies they happen to work for or be talking about. Drop us an email at eternalnightpod at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at T-E-K underscore podcast. Thank you.